All right, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, as we continue to walk through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, just start of the month, good time to do a, uh, a refresh of where we've been in prayer so far. We've looked at what is prayer. Prayer, again, is not just uh, talking to God. Prayer is specifically asking God to do something. It's one of the greatest blessings that God can give to his people. There are, though, the Bible warns about specific hindrances to prayer. We looked at the hindrances that the Bible says Specifically, these are things that will keep you from praying. Of course, we could add to this list, but these are things that the Bible just mentioned. If you remember, abundance, this, this was the ADD, prayer ADD. There was, uh, there was abundance, doubt, disobedience. All of those things will keep you from praying, keep you from coming to God uh, with the request, taking advantage of this great blessing. Then we looked at how not to pray, and we spent time looking at the various ways that Jesus, and first teaching uh, his disciples and the crowds about prayer, began with how not to pray, not how to pray, but how not to pray. And so we looked at the things that, that the Lord warned about. One about praying these outward prayers, praying out loud so that other people might hear you uh, and, and praying more uh, for them than you do quietly when you're alone, tucked away in your own room. Uh, we, see Jesus, we saw Jesus warn about long prayers, long prayers where we try to either manipulate God or impress other people. We saw the, the dangers of, of doubting prayers where we doubt that God can or even cares about answering our prayers. We saw uh, that when we pray, we shouldn't pray worldward prayers with our desires on ourselves rather than on him. And we saw that uh, we shouldn't pray with sin-stained prayers where we are ignoring God and what he tells us to do, uh, but yet coming to him and asking him to do what we want. Uh, so those were how not to pray. But now Jesus has gotten to how we should pray. Uh, and so Jesus has given us this, this model prayer, as, it, as it's often called. You could say uh, his commanded prayer, because he says, when you pray, pray like this. Uh, so he gives us this uh, example of prayer. And we, so this is a prayer normally we see as like a children's prayer, right? But hopefully as we've been walking through it, we see it's so much more than a children's prayer. It's the most robust prayer you could ever pray, the most deeply theologically rich prayer you could ever pray, packed so much in this short, uh, this short prayer. Uh, it's, it's, if anything, if we, had, if we had anything to this prayer, it's almost like subtraction by addition, almost. Uh, this prayer is so thick uh, and rich and meaty. Of course, we're talking about uh, the Lord's Prayer. And so we've started walking through the Lord's Prayer. We've seen how the Lord's Prayer is in our prayers. We're taught prayers to be addressed not, not to Jesus, not even to the Holy Spirit, but are addressed, and not even just to a general God, uh, but they're addressed to our Father in heaven. Uh, and then we started looking at things that Jesus tells us to, to pray for, uh, for God's name to be holified, for God's kingdom to come, for God's will to be done. And now we're into the things that we are meant to ask for ourselves, for the people, for, for Christ's body. Uh, and uh, remember, again, this is not just for me, but for, for us. And so the first prayer that we're asking for us is what we're on now. Give us this day our daily bread. So that's what we've been looking at. What does it mean, this first 
prayer for us, which often is seen as the most banal of all the prayers on there, this, this give us bread. But we've seen that that's a really rich idea, really rich prayer to ask God to give us our daily bread. We, we, if we just ask God to give us bread, we saw how much would be packed in that. Uh, so let, let's read the prayer again. Let's uh, read Jesus' model prayer here. Let's read the Lord's prayer. Uh, and then let's walk you know, just a little bit deeper into this idea of daily bread. Let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. But again, knowing that just because our bodies are, are standing and honoring his word, if our hearts are not, uh, then it, it will have been of, of no use. And the Lord knows our hearts. He knows if we're honoring him, not just by standing and not just by hallowing it, but hallowing it with, with obedience in our lives as well. So uh, beginning in verse 9, Jesus says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, help us to see deeply into these words Jesus can give us in this model exemplary prayer. Help us to see all the biblical truths packed into these and all the things that we are asking in these simple requests packed with so much that we are laying before you. Uh, we ask this uh, in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So we've seen again, just the deep biblical truth around the idea of bread. If Jesus had just said, give us bread, uh, that would, we spent a couple weeks just looking at all that is wrapped up scripturally around the image of bread and the father supplying bread to his people, true both physically and spiritually. Uh, we've seen though that it's not just though, give us bread, not, not even just give us, give me my bread, but it's give us our bread, teaching us the importance we saw of the uh, communal sort of nature of bread, that, that your bread is our bread, that the Lord is supplying all of us by supplying any of us. And the community aspect of that as well, as we saw the early church devote themselves to breaking bread together. And we saw that imagery again as it's traced throughout uh, scripture as an important part of church life. But it's not just bread and it's not just our bread. It is our daily bread. And so starting last week, we looked at what do we learn by asking God to give us our daily bread? What sort of things is that teaching us about who we are and about who God is. And so we looked at how the word daily there is not your typical, uh, wasn't your typical Greek word for my, my the, the everyday sort of bread that I need. It was a different word. And so there's all sorts of discussions about what does that word mean? And so we looked at how the word really just revolves around the idea of need. Give me the bread that I need. Give me my needed bread, whether I need it now or I need it the next day. All of these various options for translation really just revolve around give me what I need. Give me the bread that, that I need, whatever it's going to be. If I'm going to need it today or I'm going to need it tomorrow, Lord, you're going to have to supply that. And so we learned a few things from that. We learned that, that when we say give us our daily bread, we learned that you and I are in daily need. We are a needy people. And we've got to remember that sometimes we have so much, we're blessed with so much that we don't feel like we need God to feed us every day. 
But we do. And God is feeding us every day. You might look at your freezer and say, well, I don't need him to feed me for at least another couple months. You know, you might have a whole side of beef tucked away uh, and think I can do pretty good. You may you may be one of those really great preppers uh, who thinks I don't, I don't even need the Lord if there's a nuclear disaster. Uh, it doesn't matter. The Lord is the one who is going to supply your daily needs. And we need to remember And when we say, God, give me my daily bread. We, we realize that the stuff in my refrigerator doesn't matter one, one iota. What matters is, God, if you, if you do not feed me, I will not be fed. Uh, so we, we're reminded that we're in daily need. And we're reminded that we are not self-sufficient, that you and I cannot meet our daily needs. God has to supply our daily need. Be one thing if we were needy, but you and I could go out and take care of that. We can't. God has to supply that. So when you and I pray, when we take the time, and again, I remember when, for me, when I was first learning this prayer as a child, this seemed like the smallest of prayer requests. Give me bread. But hopefully we've seen this is one we've got to, we've got to make sure that, that, we, that we pray because it teaches us we can't supply for ourselves. Uh, it also teaches us the need to submit to God's sovereignty. Uh, we looked at the book of Proverbs where we, where we learned that we're supposed to ask, God, give me, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Feed me with the bread that is needful. And we saw that the word needful there in the Old Testament, that Hebrew word is a word often translated statutes of God, rules of God, appointed of God. It, it goes back to God, give me what you have allotted to me. That's what I need. I don't need how much I think I need. I don't need how much I want. What I need is what you have allotted for me. And so I can trust it, whether God feeds me with a lot or with a little, I can trust in the sovereignty of God in my daily bread. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. When we pray, God, give me my daily bread. We're saying, God, give me what you have allotted for me. That's what I need. I need what you've allotted. Uh, And so when we pray, give me my daily bread, we learn to submit to the sovereignty of God. And lastly, we learn that praying for our daily bread destroys our anxiety, that it destroys our anxiety when we, God will, when we recognize God will always meet our needs. God has never failed a bird of the field. He's never failed a flower of the field. He will not fail you. That God will always provide. And when we remember that and when we believe it, when we say, give me my daily bread, knowing that he will give it, It destroys any anxiety that we might have of where is my bread going to come from? I've recognized, I've recognized the first thing that I'm needy. I've recognized that I'm not sufficient uh, and and I can't take care of this myself. Well, now destroy any anxiety that could come from that by trusting in the Lord to always provide for his people, always give you what you need. He will never fail you, but that's not all we can learn from our daily bread. Uh, that's all we had time for last week. So we had to stop. Uh, but this week we've got a couple more things we want to add to that. Uh, praying for our daily bread, praying for the bread that we need, uh, our, our needed bread, give us this day. Uh, we can learn next that it trains us for contentment. Asking for our daily bread trains us to be content. When we pray for what we need, when we come to God and say, God, give me what I need, we are hedging ourselves against a discontentment that somehow can grow the more that we have. 
Somehow, the more that we get, the more discontent we often are. So, but when we pray for God to give us what we need, when we say, God, give me what I need, then we teach ourselves that God will give us exactly what we need and that we can be confident and content in what he provides. God knows what we need and he will provide exactly what we need. Whether that's, that's uh, uh, plenty or, 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 or little, it doesn't matter. We will learn to be content because we will know that the bread that is given to us is given intentionally to meet our needs. This is the bread that our heavenly father has. Again, go back to the sovereignty of God that our heavenly father has allotted to us. That our Heavenly Father who loves us, that our Heavenly Father who promises to take care of us, He is saying, this is the bread that you need. This is the best amount of bread you could have. This is what you got. This is what your Heavenly Father has given you. And when we realize that, that the amount of, not just the fact that we're given bread, but that biblically, the amount of bread we're given is also based on the amount that our Heavenly Father has determined that we need. If we remember that, then whether God gives us a lot of bread or whether he gives us a little bread, we will be content. It's important that we learn, as we're going to see, that that's true whether it's a lot or a little. We can see this, for example, in Philippians chapter 4. This is the the idea Paul expresses in Philippians Philippians chapter 4. Let's uh, read beginning in verse 10. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you've revived your concern for me. I'm glad you care about me, that you've revived your concern. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So here, here we've got, you know, one of those most misused verses in all of scripture, the, the verse that, that brought about that famous quip, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. Uh, this, is that, this is that great passage here. But what's funny, what is Paul actually talking about here? What's the actual context? The context for Paul here is daily bread. The context is daily, but they were concerned for him. Why? They were concerned that he was in need, that his daily bread wasn't being met. But Paul says, you you don't, I've never, I've never even really been in need. But why? Why has he never been in need? Because he says he has learned to be content with whatever situation God brings his way. Well, if God brings plenty, he's content. If God brings hunger, he is content. If God brings abundance, content, need, content. Paul says he can handle any situation because God is strengthening him to do whatever situation God puts him in. He says, I can be content. Why? Because I know the situation I'm in comes from God. And not only has God brought the situation, but God will strengthen me in the situation. In other words, if God gives me a bunch, God's the one who provided the bunch. And then God's the one who's going to make sure I handle the bunch in a godly way. That I have the strength to handle 
abundance in a way that brings him glory. If God in his allotment has given me little and notice throughout Paul's life, it was, it was a vacillation. Sometimes it was abundance. Sometimes it was hunger. Sometimes it was plenty. Sometimes it was need. It was one and the other. But the whole time, it is God who supplies the abundance. It is God who supplies the hunger. It is God who does all of them, but also at the same time is strengthening Paul to be able to handle whatever God gives him. So Paul learns to be content. Paul doesn't have to go, God, you've given me so much. I don't know how to deal with all this. What am I supposed to do? I've got so much here. Now, I, this, this can't all be for me. It's got to be for other people, but I don't know how to do it. God's like, uh, he gives him the strength to deal with abundance. God, this isn't enough. God, I've got to have more. I can't, I can't do this. I can't survive on this. We've got to have more than this. And, and, and we're, we're, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? And I've been, I've been working for you. I've been, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been apostling like you sent me to do. And, and God's given him the strength to handle the need. So whatever the situation, he's learned to be content. Why? Because God is the one who supplied it. God is the one who allotted it. God is the one who said, this is what you need. And I will give you the strength in that to glorify me in it. So Paul can handle any situation because God, because God strengthens him to do so. Let me give you a couple of examples of abundance and need where we can see God strengthening the person to handle it. A couple of biblical examples. The first is an example of abundance and God supplying someone with the strength to deal with it. And this is going to be the story of Solomon. In, in 1 Kings chapter 4, we hear about Solomon's provision here. 1 Kings chapter 4, beginning of verse 22. It says, Solomon's provision for one day. Okay, that word provision is literally the word bread. So this is Solomon, I mean, literally, this is Solomon's daily bread. Look at Solomon's daily bread. Solomon's bread for one day was 30 cores of fine flour. So just to let you know, that's about 1,000 gallons of flour. One day, 1,000 gallons of flour. 60 cores of, of meal. 10 fat oxen. 20 pasture-fed cattle. 100 sheep, besides deer, gazelle, roebucks, and fat and fowl. For he had dominion over all the region west of the Euphrates, uh, from Tifsah to Gaza, uh, over all the kings uh, of the uh, west of the Euphrates, and he had peace on all sides around him. Now verse 29, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and of all the wisdom of Egypt. So Solomon... Over, over a thousand gallons of flour, almost 3,000 gallons of meal, 10 oxen, and 20 cows every day, plus 100 sheep every day. And that's not counting the deer that he got. That's not counting the gazelles. That's not counting the, 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 the other things, the fowl. He doesn't even count chickens here. He even doesn't even count fatted chickens. Per day. That was Solomon's daily bread per day. Why did Solomon need that amount of daily bread? Well, because it was Solomon's job to feed the whole palace and to be the supplier of the people in the palace and those he was over. Uh, he had that sort of over the region supplier relationship. That's what he had to do. And so that's how much he needed. And God gave him the wisdom to deal with such abundance. 
God gave him the wisdom to handle abundance rightly. Now, handling abundance of wives, that's going to be another issue. But he at least gave him the wisdom to handle the abundance of, of bread that God gave him. So there's an example of God giving an abundance to someone, giving him literally a daily bread that was much more than daily bread. Much more than even in Luke when we're like, this guy's daily bread was three whole loaves. I mean, this was, this was a lot. And yet God gave him the wisdom to handle it. God strengthened him to handle that abundance. Just like he did with Paul. What about an example of need? An, an example of, of having less, of, of poverty. We'll get this one also from 1 Kings, just a couple chapters down the road. This is the example of another faithful man of God who God gave a provision that was much different. No less faithful, and yet God's provision for this very faithful man was on the exact opposite extreme of the spectrum. This person was Elijah. Story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17. This is Elijah's story. This is, remember, Elijah just said there's going to be a famine on the land. There's going to be a drought. Uh, and look at what he says. So he, Elijah, went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. After a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. So uh, Elijah's daily bread is so scant that it, is it supplied from? Yes, miraculously. As I mean, it'd be great that the birds bring it. It'd be great that you got it. I don't know if you really want it from a bird's mouth, uh, especially from a raven's mouth. You're like, where'd you get that meat? Uh, but they're bringing it. He's, he's eating his daily food, his daily meat uh, supplied by the Lord. It's still a scant amount. This is not, the ravens aren't bringing a hundred sheep here. The ravens aren't bringing thousands of gallons of flour. This is someone barely surviving, drinking water out of a brook and a brook that dries up. But things for Elijah are going to get even better. Because where does God send Elijah after this? Okay, let's send you somewhere better. Let's send you to a widow's house, right? If you, but this is not some rich widow uh, who, who's like living off some great inheritance here. He sends him to a widow. Look at what it says in verses 8 and 9. Uh, then the word of the Lord came to him, arise, go to Zarephath, uh, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there, dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. But here's the problem with the widow. The widow, she doesn't have any bread, right? What does the widow have? She's got flour and she's got oil. That's what she's got. She's got flour and she's got oil. And she doesn't even have much of that. She's only got a handful, not a thousand gallons. She has a handful of flour. And the Lord blesses them. But when he blesses them, what does he bless them with? Just so that that flour and oil don't run out it's not that he blesses them and the flour and oil become oxen the flour and oil become thousands of gallons of flour i mean it just becomes it is just a constant daily need just the bare minimum met and that happens to elijah as far as we know biblically that's his situation for the next three years of his life bread and water is his daily bread. Faithful man of God. And God has given him bread and water. That's all of chapter 17. What happens in chapter 18 of 1 Kings? 
Chapter 18 of 1 Kings is when Elijah then, strengthened by God, confronts the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. After living three years on God giving him just bread and water, he has been strengthened by God enough in that to meet the very enemies of the people of God and to say, listen, we've got to choose whom we're going to serve. And he confronts the enemies of God. Ask yourself, would you have that faith? Would you have faith? Would you be able to be content if God were to give you three years of bread and water? Would you be content and strengthened? Would you be so confident in your God that you'd be able to stand up against hundreds of his enemies, one on, one on all? Do you have that type of contentment? Would you be more content if God supplied you a thousand sheep or a thousand oxen? Would you be more content then? Are you so trusting in the Lord that if he just fed you bread and water for the next three years, you'd be ready to go to battle for him? Or would you have been spending those three years wondering where he was at? Three years battling discontentment because all you got is bread and water. And look at what Solomon's got. Look what Solomon had. And all he gets bread and water. I, 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 I dare say, if, if, if you're not content to live on bread and water, then you will never be able to stand up against the enemies of God. If you can't look at your life and say, God, if you just gave me bread and water, I would be content. Then do not think that you'll have the strength to stand up against an enemy someday. Praying for our daily bread, praying for our needed bread reminds us that God gives us exactly what we need, not more, not less. And he knows what we need. He knows that the best thing for Solomon was to give him that much. He knows that Solomon needed that. He knows that what Elijah needed was that. And he needed it for three years. That's what he needed. And he made sure he got it and he strengthened him in the midst of it so that he could fight one of the greatest battles ever for God's name in Scripture. Elijah learned to be content. Learned to be strengthened in it. When we pray for our daily bread, for our needed bread, when we pray, God, give me what I need, not more, not less, that teaches us to be content. And in reality, that is one of the most valuable gifts we could have. More valuable than any amount of bread God could give us is for him to teach us to be content. That's what Paul himself says. Paul, who says that in Philippians chapter 4, then goes on to tell Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, what does he tell him? Godliness with contentment is great gain. This is a Paul who just talked about being content in Philippians chapter 4. Being content in any situation. He goes to Timothy and he says, look, if you've got godliness and you've got contentment, you've got more than any amount of bread anybody could ever give you. And if you're trying to be godly, if you're trying to live Godward, is that, is again, I think that word would be better translated, you're trying to live Godward and you're not content, you will always feel like you're at a loss. Recognize Godwardness with contentment is great gain. So when we pray, Father, give me my daily bread, 
we're praying that God would give us one of the rich, greatest riches he could give us, which is Christian contentment. But Christian contentment is seeded in prayers for our daily bread. If you want to harvest contentment, you seed that by praying, God, give me my daily bread. And recognizing that whatever he gives you is exactly what you need, not more, not less. That will teach you to be content. And that will equip you to one day go to battle for the God you trust, whether he gives you much or he gives you little. To stand up for God, whether your life is great or your life is filled with sorrow. To stand up for God in any situation, we're, t- we're taught to do that by dealing whether it's plenty or need. By praying for our daily bread, we're teaching ourselves to be content. But that raises, a, this, this passage in Philippians 4 raises an interesting question, right? Because Paul doesn't say that, he doesn't just say that God strengthens him to handle the little. He said that God gave him the strength to handle the much. And we often think, okay, I understand why you would need strength to handle little, but why would you need strength to handle a lot? If you've got a lot, surely you're like ready to, you know, go out and do battle for the Lord at at any time. Why do we need to be strengthened if God is to give us a lot? Why would he need to be strengthened to handle uh, plenty or to handle abundance? Why does he need God's strength to handle that? And that actually leads to our next point, which is that praying for our daily bread fights temptation. It fights temptation. Last week, we looked at Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8. Let's look at that again. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8. We've mentioned a couple of times. Give, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. So, but this request, this request for the food that is needful for me actually continues to tell us why the wise man prays for the food, for, for neither poverty nor riches, but instead just for the food that is needful. Why does the wise man do that? Look at what it says in verse 9. So give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that's needful for me, lest. So here's why he wants just the food that's needful for him. Why is he saying, don't give me poverty? And why is he saying, don't give me riches? Why is he saying, just give me what you've allotted? He says, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So there are two temptations when it comes to, to getting our daily bread. One revolves around when the daily bread we get is, we think, too little or is too little. And the second, when our bread is, is, is too much. The temptation of both poverty and the temptation of riches. And so we pray for needed bread. We pray for God's allotted bread because we want to avoid those two temptations. And so when we're praying for our daily bread, we're recognizing, God, give me what you've allotted because I know if it's over here, it's, I, I can get into trouble. And if I know it's over here, I can get into trouble. So God, give me exactly what I need. That's why Paul says in Philippians 4 that God gives him strength to deal with need, but that God also gives him strength to deal with abundance or to deal with plenty. First, let's look at poverty, because that's the one that makes sense to us. It makes sense that poverty would be a struggle. Uh, Don't give me poverty, feed me what I need. Okay, so that's the prayer. Father, don't give me poverty, feed me with the food that is needful for me. Don't give me poverty, give me what I need. Now, that that makes sense. We don't want to starve. We don't want to starve. We've all considered that. 
What is the temptation, though, with poverty? Proverbs says that in poverty, there's a temptation to sin by stealing and then to compound that sin by profaning the name of God. Uh, Lest I steal and profane, literally, to take the name of, of God. Lest I take the name of God. It's, 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 it's riffing off the, the third commandment. So the implication is that we steal and then we swear by God's name that we didn't steal. Because we don't want to admit that we stole. And, and how we can see this temptation in the most primitive among us, right? Shepherd. We'll use shepherd because he's probably never done this. We'll use you as an example. Shepherd, did you take that? And they'll look you square in the eye and say, what? No. And you're like, I literally saw you take that. How can you, like, and I think you saw me see you take that. Uh, And not only did you take it, but then I looked at you and asked and you went, no. Are you sure? Yeah. You, and then we do the, like, we do the thing that is going to somehow make them say that, do you promise? Oh, well, you got me there. I hadn't considered that promise was going to be an issue. Uh, And what did I say? Yeah, I promise. Like, they just compound it. They take the sin and they compound it uh, with stealing and then not just lying, but even, even worse in this case, profaning the name of taking the law. I, I swear by God that I did not take it. This is the, 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 here, here the author of Proverbs here is saying, look, the, 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 the temptation, it's anger. The temptation is saying, look, I'm going to feel the need to steal and then I'm going to feel the need to cover that up with more sin. Sin upon sin. But that's not the, so, so the temptation is in poverty, we'll be tempted to steal. And poverty, we'll be tempted to take God's name in vain, uh, to hide our thieving, compounding our sin. But the Bible tells us that's not the only temptation that comes with poverty. Hebrews actually mentions another one. It warns about another temptation with poverty, which is the temptation to question God's faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. It says, keep your life free from love of money. And you see, when we read that, we often think, okay, don't desire to be rich. But it, 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 it's, it's actually, it's more about dealing with poverty here. It says, be content with what you have. For he has said, I will neither leave you nor forsake you. If we're not content... The danger is the reason we're not content with the bread God has given us is that we are questioning God's faithfulness. That when we have less than we think we should have, when we have what we think is poverty, we will say, he has left me, he has forsaken me. And the author of Hebrews has has to come and say, look, don't fall in love with money. Remember what God has said. Don't fall in love with money because you doubt his faithfulness. In other words, don't trust money more than you trust God. And that is actually a common temptation for us to get in, especially when we have less money. Because when we have less money, then when we get any money, we feel more secure. So like if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you feel more secure when you what? Get the paycheck. But what, what the author of Hebrews tells you, you're no more or less secure because you got the money. Your security 
is in God who promises he will let never leave you nor forsake you. So don't fall in love with money thinking, oh, this money will never leave me or forsake me. Recognize that your, con- your contentment must always be found in God who does promise he will never leave you or forsake you. And think about it in your own life. Do you, have you ever felt less secure, less secure about God's love for you when finances have gotten tight? Have you ever started to wonder, oh, uh, you know, what's going to happen? And, and everything just sort of starts to spiral in your mind of this could lead to this and could lead to this and could lead to that. And ah, as if God is not in control of everything that you have. That's the temptation. So when we pray for daily bread, we're praying that we might not be tempted by the common temptations that come when we have less than we think we need. Whether it is to steal or to take God's name in vain or to question God's faithfulness. But here's the one that it does, is surprising. There are temptations with riches too. Because he says, give me neither poverty. And we're like, amen. And then he's like, or riches. And we're like, eh, hold off on that one. Uh, that one doesn't make, doesn't make sense to me. But here, the surprising part of this passage is it is wise to pray to God to not give us more than we need. Don't make me rich. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Feed me with what you have allotted for me. There is in our excess, specifically a temptation to forget God, to forget how much we need him, to forget the first two things that we looked at, that we're in daily need, we're not sufficient, uh, to forget those things. If, If we're given too much, there's that if, if, if poverty causes us to doubt God, then plenty causes us to forget him. In, in the first, we doubt God's faithfulness. In, in the second, we, we, we think it's we who are, who are the ones that, that we need. We've got everything that we need. So God, don't bless me with too much because I don't want to be temp- tempted to handle it the wrong way. Paul talks about this temptation to Timothy as well in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Just a couple verses down from where we looked earlier. But, so this is, you remember, godliness with contentment is great gain. Go down to verse 8. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the truth and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Flee them. We should be content with what? We should be content with just food and clothing. We should be able to be content with just that. This is a good test. Do you have more than food and clothing and still sometimes look around and struggle with what you feel as a lack of having stuff? You still struggle with contentment even though you've got more. Have you ever had a moment where you've had anything above food and clothes and still struggled with being content? 
That shows the danger that Paul is talking about here. There's a danger danger with desiring to be, and we need to understand what rich is because we normally define rich as anybody who has more than what we've got. Rich isn't what I've got. Rich is what they've got, Uh, which is just not true statistically, like worldwide travel. I mean, you could just go down to Mulgee and see that that's not true. I mean, you could travel the world and see like you and I, we are, if you've got, if you've got more than food and clothing, you are rich. You're rich. And so this is a temptation you need to watch out for. Rich is not just when you get a thousand uh, cores or a thousand gallons of flour or 3,000 gallons of meal. That's not when you get rich. Rich is not just the people who, who, who won the lottery or who, who were born with silver spoons in their mouths or whatever. You and I, if we've got more than food and clothing, we are rich. We are richly blessed. We've got more than God needs to have given us. So we need to recognize that for we are rich. And notice that Paul wants to make clear to Timothy just how dangerous that situation is. Because what is it? He layers, look at how he layers danger upon danger. Temptations, snares, sinful, senseless and harmful desires, plunges into ruin, brings destruction. He's making it very clear to Timothy, this is something to really watch out for. Why is desiring to be rich so dangerous? Because the love of money is the root of all evil. All of it. And since, it, I mean, if it were the root of any evil, that would be enough to flee from it. But since it's the root of all evil, what should the believer do? Flee from those things. So when we, when we pray for daily bread, We are praying a defensive prayer. We're asking God to protect us from too little and to protect us from too much. God, just give me what you have allotted me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food you have designed for me to have. Because I know the danger that comes from one and I know the danger that comes from the other. Uh, and so, God, give me what you have uh, allotted. God, give us what we need. Teach us that we need. Teach us that we can't supply for ourselves. Teach us to trust in our sovereign allotment. Teach us not to be anxious. Teach us contentment. Teach us that we need protection, even from blessings. All of those things we learn. All of those things are wrapped up when you and I say, God, give us this day our daily bread. Let's pray. Just as we take a moment to to pray right now, and we want to respond to God's word, respond to what we've heard. This is, this is the bread as we saw that, that God's word is the bread that we need. And we look back at that a few weeks ago. This is the bread that God has determined for you to have today. He's determined for all of us to need to learn this. So what part of this bread do you need to learn? What part of of what we've seen do you need? How do you need to respond to what you've seen in his word? What part of daily bread do you need to be taught? Are you someone who who needs to learn? You, You every day need the Lord.
have you maybe started to think that you don't need him? You're pretty self-sufficient. You don't feel a need every day to have to run to God to provide. Maybe you've forgotten just to bow in submission to whatever he gives you. Maybe you're raging against God for giving you too little. Maybe you think God needs to give you what you want instead of saying, God, I trust you. I submit to whatever you give me. Maybe you're always asking for more. Maybe not even asking. Maybe just thinking about it in the back of your mind. Things would be better if I had more. Questioning God's faithfulness like Hebrews warned about. Maybe maybe you need to learn to not be anxious. Maybe you battle with anxiety. Again, questioning the faithfulness of God to provide anything for you. And you, it's like as if you feel like the God who's provided for you every day is going to fail you now. You need to ask God to, to kill anxiety in your heart. And so by praying for daily bread, God is teaching you to not be anxious. Maybe you've been battling with contentment. I mean, biblically, you could look at your life and say that you're rich, but your heart sure doesn't seem that way. All you do is look around and see what you don't have. Maybe you do that in a, in a form of covetousness as well. You multiply the sin just like poverty does. By not seeing the blessings you have, but by seeing all the blessings that someone else does and you don't. Maybe you think you know better what your life needs than the Lord. I need a bigger this. I need more of this. And if I don't have that, I just can't do it. God is the one who knows what you need. I mean, God could feed you. God could feed you bread and meat from ravens for for. For three years. He could, he could feed you a handful of flour and some oil for three years of your life. And grow you in that. To the point that you'd be strong enough to stand up for him against a nation of enemies. And yet we're, we're discontent. Maybe you just need to learn to be protected even from blessings. Maybe you need to recognize, God, what what you give me is good for me because it protects me. But there's a danger in having too little. There's a danger in having too much. And so God, just for protection's sake, just give me what I need. Give me my daily bread. Give me my needed bread. That's all I want. What part of what we learned is what you need to submit to the Lord and say, this is what I need you to work in my heart, Father. This is how I need to obey you. This is what I need to do. And so when you say, give me my daily bread, you can remember, Father, teach me this. Make me this. Father, We come to you today and you know, you know the daily physical bread that we need and you know the daily spiritual bread that we need. And you promise to supply both. Because we do not live on bread alone, but by every word that that comes from your mouth. And so, Father, you have fed us today. We sit here today, all of us, food and clothing. Everything that we need to be content. So, Father, may we be a content people. May we be a people that 
that relishes your constant faithfulness. May we with confidence lift up that prayer. Give us this day our daily bread, knowing that you will daily feed us, daily for the rest of our physical lives and for the rest of our eternal lives. You will feed us. And Father, may that give us great confidence. May you strengthen us in it. May we see the great gain that comes in living godwardly and being content. Father, there are so many temptations in this world, even temptations when you richly bless us to just move the bar into what we need to get food and clothing to think, but I just need a little more. To get a little more and think, well, I just need a little more. A little more, well, I just need a little more. Help us, Father, to realize that in you we have everything that we need. That you have richly blessed us in Christ. That in our union with him, Father, we have every need supplied, both physical and spiritual. May we remember that every time that we pray, every day, Give us this day our daily bread. Remind us of that, Father. Continue to teach us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.